0: This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 184. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending, cocktails, and spirits. Well, it's October, beginning of October, 2016, and I'm still unearthing recordings from Tales of the Cocktail in July. So uh, we've got a couple of interviews today. We're going to speak with the great Bernie Lubbers, and he's the American whiskey brand ambassador for Heaven Hill Brands, and uh, spoke to him at uh, Hotel Monteleone in the Hemingway Suite there. And then, um, oh, and then we're going to speak to Jacob Hernacona, and he's uh, Martin Miller's Gin, which is delicious, delicious gin and uh they they let me taste some uh, of their brand new uh nine moons barrel aged gin Boy, was that good. Really good. So uh, we're, we're going to talk to two guys with uh, quite different accents, both interesting accents. Wait till you hear them. So uh, first, let's do a book of the week. And um, I've been a little uh, behind on my book of the week. I've been a bit behind the bar, you know, 50 and 60 hours a week lately. Things are going to calm down as uh, as the fall winds down. But, uh, but um, yeah, I haven't had a lot of chance to unearth new books uh, recently. But what I just discovered just now as I was uh, looking up a little more information about Bernie Lubbers is did, he wrote a book, I didn't realize that until just now, so we'll, we'll make that the book of the week, even though I haven't read it yet <laughs> I'm going to order one though, and it's uh, Bourbon Whiskey, Our Native Spirit this is the second edition, Sour Mash and Sweet Adventures of the Whiskey Professor uh, being Bernie Lubbers, the Whiskey Professor, so uh, we'll have a link to that up on bartenderjourney.net and uh, you can pick up a copy and we'll, uh, we'll read it about it and compare notes later, <laughs> alright and Let, uh, let's do a cocktail of the week while we're talking about bourbon, you know it's a great cocktail uh, and very easy to make, and you can make it in just any bar, anywhere pretty much, <laughs> definitely any bar. It's the horse's neck, and uh, it, all it is is bourbon, let's say two ounces of bourbon, and uh f- some uh, Angostura bitters and uh, the aromatic bitters, not the orange, and um, fill with ginger ale, and then you, you you do a lemon twist, and then the name horse's neck comes from uh, you're supposed to make a really long uh, twisty lemon twist uh, with like a, a channel knife, and it goes from the top to the bottom uh, all through the glass. So, uh, but you know what, you can order this drink or make it, you know, with just a lemon twist that's available if you want to, and uh, I find this a great drink if I'm in a kind of bar that is obviously not too, uh, enlightened, shall we say, or whatever. I don't know how to put this, uh, <laughs> a bar that, uh, doesn't have a lot to choose from. I'll order, uh, I'll just tell them I, I don't order a horse's neck. I say, you know, can I have uh bourbon and I'll choose one. Of course, I won't let them pick for me. <laughs> and, uh, and ginger ale with some bitters in there and a piece of lemon. And it's a great drink that you can get anywhere. I was at a party once and, uh, Actually, it was one of those boat, you know, cocktail cruises for three hours or whatever. And uh, they didn't have a lot to choose from, but they did have bitters. So uh, I ordered one of those. And before you knew it, like half of the boat was drinking it. So it's a a really cool cocktail. I I had it on my cocktail menu at one point uh, a couple years ago. So, uh, yeah, good cocktail. All right. So let's talk to Bernie Lubbers. Nice to see you, sir. Good to be here. So I always forget... This has been explained to me several times, but I always forget. What is the definition of bottled in bond? What, what does that mean exactly?
1: Bottled and bond is a set of regulations that was put down in 1897. And um, I always carry around this card, and I'll give you this card, and we're done, so you'll never have to wonder what, what bottled oh, and bond is.
0: So you, so you have a card that explains my question. Absolutely. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> so bottle and bond must be composed of the same spirits from the same material, so you can't mingle like a brandy with a whiskey and make yeah. it bottle and bond. It has to be uh, 100% of, of the same materials. Produced from the same distilling season by the same distiller at the same distillery. So si- similar to single malt scotch, it must come from one place, one place only. But further than single malt scotch, only one season. So almost like a cognac, if you will, uh, or a vintage. Um, Then it must be stored at least four years in wooden containers. So, four years, and then nothing but pure water. Mm -hmm. So, no colors, no additives. Nothing but pure water. And it must be in the bottle at 100 proof every single time. It can't be 90 proof, can't be 86 proof, can't be 80. And 100 proof is the money part of the government. Mm -hmm. That is a proof gallon. We Mm pay $13.50 per proof gallon. 50% alcohol of one gallon is a proof gallon. And then the label um, uh, is the best part of this, I think, and the most important part is that it's true disclosure. The label must bear the real name of the distillery. Okay. It must uh, uh, have the distilled spirits plant number on it. So everybody has a unique plant number. So if you, if you're, if you're, if you don't really know the, where Elijah Craig Distillery is, because it shares a name with Heaven Hill Distillery, okay, uh, this Written House Rice says distilled by Heaven Hill. This Elijah Craig says distilled by Elijah Craig. We own both of those names, so it's the real name of our distillery. But if you're further confused, all you have to do is look and says it says here uh, DSPKY1, and if you Google that, it comes up Heaven Hill. So wow. at, you, it's full disclosure. How many people don't want you to know where it was made or who made it? Yeah. This proves it's a, a lot. Is, sorry, yeah. <laughs> So even our sacred bond. I mean, we're not this we, the brandy. Yes, this is our sacred bond brandy. So, you know, we we source that through uh, O'Neill in, in San Joaquin Valley in California that right. makes Christian Brothers for us. Mm-hmm. So even though we don't own that distillery, we still want people to know that it's made in one of the best uh, brandy houses, brandy distillers, and that's DSP. C A for California in 399. That's O'Neill Distillery. So you know exactly where this came from, and that's why how important Bottle and Bond is. It's 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 the uh, you know I say it has all the badges, it has all the medals. It's the uh, Eagle Scout of spirits, or it's the um, Navy Seal or Green Beret of, of spirits. So it it came
0: up in the first place for legal or for tax reasons, didn't it? It, it wasn't that the regi-
1: original reason for Bottle and Bond. Everything's done for tax reasons for the, for the government. But what was happening in the late 1800s is you had people adding. Um, it was the it was the it was the whiskey trust that was one of the bigger parts. Uh, Julius Kessler puts together this this uh, banding together of large distilleries, and they say that that uh, they're going to. Um, protect the industry and make nothing but the best products and they were just basically making neutral grain spirits or uh, um, taking molasses type of neutral spirit and then adding colors and flavors and slapping a whiskey label on it and whatever proof and so that didn't go very well and that's called compound whiskey just like you would make a compound gin or you know anything that's uh, you know a well gin that's going to be a gin flavored vodka or whatever So that's when the straight producers, there was no laws in 1897. So this is the first consumer protection legislation. It was followed up uh, nine years later by the the Pure Food and Drug Act, which also defined pure whiskey. There's nothing but water added to it. That still made the blenders and rectifiers upset. Mm -hmm. So when uh, President Taft makes the Taft decision in 1909, he put his foot down and he had a big foot um, (laughs) and created blended whiskey where you could add colors and flavors and straight whiskey, which you can only add water. And it had to be a minimum of two years old. And then you had the bottle and bond, which covers all spirits, not just whiskey, but all spirits. As long as it's aged for four years in wood, And meets all those other qualifications and bottled exactly 100 proof, you could do that. So. Yeah. But, but isn't there like...
0: Something about you had to pay taxes immediately when you distilled the stuff unless you put that it was, bottled in bond.
1: That was, uh, they, they argued over how long the bond period wait. So you you didn't have to pay taxes until it came out of bond. Until T- it was done uh, aging. Right. So right. They, they were going to set, the, you know, if you could put it in a bond forever, you would never have to pay taxes on it until you bottled it. But that would make no sense for the producer because you're going to have to sell it, it's, you know, you, you, you've, yeah, you, you, you or else it will be gone. So there was one year, run year, three years, they eventually uh, settled on eight as the maximum bond period uh, there. Uh, that okay. We don't have that anymore, it's all changed a little bit, uh, and they used to have nothing but bonded warehouses that only bottle and bond whiskey sat in. That's changed too, now basically every warehouse can be bottle and bond as long as you meet those restrictions. Okay. So were those warehouses originally owned by the federal government? No. (laughs) They didn't. uh, We still had to buy them and uh, and build them. But they held the key. And the government held one key, the treasury agent, who used to live on the distilleries. And the distiller held the key. So it was like a a safety deposit box. You couldn't get in the distillery or a warehouse by yourself. You needed both of you. Wow. That's so interesting. Reagan, I think, is the one who, uh, you know, he was saving money. Uh, remember he cut a lot of things and so that's one of the things he cut so no longer do we have the distillery agents living we get audited every three years and they stay for about six weeks so it's not like a quick in and out audit
0: wow that was fascinating man thank you so much for talking and explaining this to me because I didn't
1: know much about it it's deep and complex just like
0: whiskey <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure, uh, so, much. so you got it what's bottled in bond Meat? Well, it's gotta be bottled at 100 proof, 50% ABV. It's gotta be produced at a single distillery, and it has to name that distillery right on the label. And it's uh, gotta be produced in a single year, which is interesting, That's, that's very unique. So, uh, what else? I wish I could find that piece of paper that Bernie gave me that uh, explained what bottle and bond means exactly. You come home from Tales with all of this stuff, and it's, I'm sure it's in this room somewhere, somewhere. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in this room. All right. Uh, hey, next we're going to talk about uh, Martin Miller's Gin, and this is also uh, as recorded at Tales of the Cocktail 2016. So, um, my name is Jacob
2: Aaron Crona, And I'm the CEO of uh, the Reformed Spirits Company, the owner of the Martin Miller's Gin portfolio of brands. And now we're about to be one of the first people on American soil to try our new launched barrel
0: aged gin, Nine Moons. Barrel aged gin is it's um. Unusual, ca- a little bit unusual category. You know, you don't you don't see a lot of it on the shelves or, or in the back bar, but uh, but it's but it's delicious. So, uh, just can you tell us a little bit about the history of barrel aged gin? Well,
2: it's it's a um, category that we've been discussing endlessly for the last I would say almost three years internally, because oh, in the delicious. last few years there's been a lot of the last 10 years, I would say, gin producers have been coming out with a lot of variations, flavoured gins. So aged gin is just another take for a lot of producers to kind of create differentiation. And we were very much against it uh, as a company, because we thought, why ruin a very good liquid? We set out, back in the late 1990s, to do the best gin money can ever make. And that's how the gin renaissance started. So to age a very good product, to us, did it make sense? Why try to do something that the bourbon producers, the whiskey producers, are doing extremely well? Right. They do it so well. They've been doing it for hundreds of years. Exactly. That's, That's not for us. But our staff in the U.S., the mixologists, the salespeople, were craving and demanding and please, can we do barrel-aged cocktails? Mm. After about a year, I said, okay, you can do it. Buy some barrels, but don't tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's under the radar. It's not part of the company profile. Mm. But they did it to great success. Right. And I
0: tried- Negroni, Negroni's. Age yeah. and
2: ate, uh, lost word. I mean, yeah. there's, 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 there's a lot of yeah, good yeah. cocktails that you can age in a barrel. And I started to try this and we're actually quite good, but I couldn't even mention it to my colleagues because we've kind of decided barrel age is not for us. Hmm. Then Andreas Verstig, one of the co-founders of Martin Velesian was in New York and he tried one of the barrel-aged cocktails and he called me and said, Jacob, this mm-hmm. one is actually delicious. Yeah. And I said, well, I know sometimes it turn out really well. Yeah. I went back to the same place, tried it and like, this is great. So he, Andreas, who was very much against barrel aging gin, bought for himself, personally, a set of barrels mm. for his birthday last year, and we sent them to Iceland. Mm. And every month, we were sent a sample of the aged gin, and it was a relief. No, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't <laughs> taste good. Oh, you were, you were glad. <laughs> like, thank God we don't have to do this, because it's going to be too complicated for us. We're not good at aging things. Mm. We're good at producing gin. Mm-hmm. But well, then after nine months, the sample like, "Hmm, actually, this is pretty good." We tried it on the staff in the office, and they all loved it. Yeah. And the greatest thing of this is, it tastes like gin. If I blindfold you for anyone and you try this, you will say, "This is a gin with yeah. some flavor to it. Some, maybe some berries in it or something. It, the vanilla comes out a little bit, yeah. But the sweetness, it's,
0: it's delicious, Jacob. A lot it's of delicious.
2: people, or a lot of aged gins, or rested on barrel, right. as you call it in the US, or the mm. definition the legal, legally, uh, doesn't taste like gin. Right. It's something else. And right. for us, we are making gin. Mm. So unless it tastes like gin, it's oh. a no-go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The rest is history. Yeah, We took it out in the trade. People just love it. Yeah. So now we make it available. Uh, demand... Is very high. Supply is short, no. yeah. so uh, people can apply for uh, for an allocation, and we deliver.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I mean, it's we're now w- selling wonderful. all. From day one, we're selling in like 20 countries. It's
0: it's like a it's like a cocktail in a bottle. It's, I exactly. mean, exactly. It,
2: and you, you, you can use this for old fashioned.
0: Yeah, it's
2: great. It's gin and tonic. Oh, uh, sure. do you have the Martinez. Mm. brilliant mm-hmm. so we've had a few mixologists toying around with this yeah and they create some really good stuff so for us it's not part of the family
0: yeah to be extremely excited it's delicious i've you know i've heard uh, people say that a, a distiller or a, a, a spirits producer doesn't really produce a spirit thinking it's going to be used in a cocktail. And it's like, you know, oh, we made the perfect thing to be used in a Negroni. No, it's delicious on its own, you know, and and this certainly is delicious on its own. Yeah, what's your thought on that? (laughs)
2: Well, for us, we never really think maybe that far ahead. Mm. Our original thought, when I say ours, is like David, Andreas, and myself. We thought this would be for gin connoisseurs that would drink it neat or on ice. Because I see more and more people, especially in the US, that drink our Westmore Strength meat. Yeah. Personally? Chilled, chills. Of course. Yeah. Chilled, but
0: yeah. we're all nice. All right. we're, we're the only weirdos that drink gin room temperature. Exactly. <laughs> 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 but it's delicious. But it's good. <laughs> so
2: so we, I was surprised. And I, after we decided to make this, do the packaging and make it available commercially, that's when we had mixologists playing around with it. Mm. So we never kind of, we don't have a set strategy. Right. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. All we know is it tastes good.
0: Yeah. It tastes great.
2: And we don't need to sell a lot of it because it's our private we company. We don't have that much. We, <laughs> we don't have that much. But we do whatever we want. Yeah. And we like it. And if we like it, other people will like it too.
0: I find, I find your, your gin... Um, well, the unaged, which I've sampled in the past, I hadn't sampled this one, but but this one as well, has a certain um, saline quality to it that I love, you know? And, and I'm, I'm very interested in using salt in cocktails. I think, you know, chefs have been using it for years to to enhance flavors, and uh, I think it's a great thing in a cocktail, but I, I, the, your gin seems to have that inherently. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, it's
2: very versatile. And the idea behind Marty Miller's from the beginning was to create a classic gin profile but of premium quality.
0: Yeah. Uh, but n- there's an interesting story about how it's made, so t- tell us how uh, how it's made and where it's produced and where... Uh, I mean the unique thing with Martin Millard's gin is the, uh,
2: the alcohol is distilled in England right. and then we ship it to Iceland, yeah. blending it with Icelandic water. Right. The Icelandic water has a very unique, important
0: characteristics that makes this a very high quality product. Maybe that's where the um, sort of saline quality comes from that I'm, that I'm tasting. is yes. from the water, the mineral, minerals the, in the water. Yeah, well, the
2: point with this water is, it's naturally clean. Mm. The water that you have in every single spirit under the sky, you have zero minerals. Why? Because minerals alters the flavor profile over time. How do you get the water without minerals? You demineralize it. The Icelanders would say that you kill the water. You take away the spirits, you make it basically H2O. Right, right, right. Icelandic water has zero minerals naturally because it filters through lava for 3,000 years. So you have no minerals. But the difference between Icelandic water and demineralized water, two main things. One is you have a surface tension. The surface tension is what makes insects be able to walk on water. Mm. So the bokeh of Martin Miller's gin, when you smell it, the botanicals evaporates more slowly, more controlled, okay. because of the surface tension. If you take any other gin, you get a quite a strong hit of juniper primarily, because that's a dominant flavor ingredient. So that makes a big difference. And that gives you less of a burn in your throat if you drink Martin Miller's gin neat compared to any other gin also you have more oxygen in the water because it hasn't been killed it's naturally clean for minerals which makes the makes the water much softer and rounder so when you try marty gin neat to any other gin you can pick up these characteristics and they come down to the water Mm. and then obviously the botanicals matters the double distillation process and so forth are all very important in creating the final product But the water from Iceland is nuts. It costs a fortune to bring the gin to Iceland and back again. I can imagine. But that water is the big part, the secret behind the high quality of Martin Miller's gin. And that's innovation.
0: Hmm.
2: That is true true innovation. And that's why there are few gins that you can drink neat like Martin Miller's gin. Because it's soft, the surface tension, and the oxygen in the water.
0: Not, that's
2: interesting so that's I, the I, I've, I've
0: never ever heard that brought up before in the, in the discussion about spirits Is surface yeah. tension yeah but they, uh, that because you don't have the it. mouth feel the, mouthfeel, the um, yeah the the, uh, the, yeah, the mouth feel yeah. yeah
2: yeah because no other spirit other than Martin Miller's gin uses water that is not demineralized mm. because you have to demineralize it you have to take away the minerals why, why? because they alter the flavor profile over time if I take tap water in the bottle in the bo- if I take tap water and I make a spirit it contains a lot of minerals hmm.
0: that alters the flavor profile over time you need to remove the minerals hmm. interesting i never heard that before um, so the do you share which botanicals are used in the making of the gin? Yeah. It's, yeah? All,
2: it's all on the bottle. All it's, right. uh,
0: it's all the classical no. standard gin botanicals. But the, the, the juniper doesn't hit you over the head like with, with some others. No. You know? But um, it's, it's a dominant juniper flavor. Yeah. But it's not that juniper heavy. Yeah.
2: The Westbourne is a bit more heavy on the juniper. Okay. But that was the thing at the time when Martin Miller's gin was launched. We didn't have to be weird and strange right. to create awareness. But if you launch a gin today, a lot of people put in botanicals with very exotic origins. Yeah. You see a do lot lo- of
0: citrus these days, a lot of citrus.
2: Yes, yeah. Which is Martin Millers would be defined by a standard gin consumer's quite citrusy today. The right. original version. Yeah. The Westbourne is
0: more heavy on the juniper. Uh-huh. Well, it's uh, wonderful stuff. Congratulations on this beautiful spirit. Thank you. I do- Cheers once more. Thank you. And thanks for talking to me. Thank you. Thanks for sharing this wonderful spirit. (laughs) Thanks for having me. If you ever get a chance to try that Nine Moons Martin Miller's gin, oh boy, it's delicious. You're going to be surprised. Uh, So from then, uh, I went, well, later in the day anyway, I went over to the uh, Amaro Montenegro uh, cocktail competition and met up with this interesting gentleman, one of the competitors.
3: Well, it's a beautiful event. We are doing a competition for Amaro Montenegro. Uh, We are all here, bartenders from the United States, because we all each won our uh, section in our city. So I represent LA, I represent uh, my bar Italian cocktail bar, Bar Toscana in Brentwood. We're here for this beautiful cocktail competition, hopefully we're going to take a win at home.
0: Well, as I've mentioned on the show, I've been entering competitions and I encourage you to do the same. It's a great thing to do.
3: Yeah, it is. It's uh, not just to uh, win. It's just uh, to be there and experience other people, learn how to deal with tension, learn how to deal with stress, and also improve techniques from other people. Looking at other bartender's technique, you can always get inspired and learn a little bit. It's, it's a learning experience. It's fun to be in a competition and it's a good opportunity to get. Take a good price at home.
0: What are you making?
3: I'm making a cocktail with apricot, jam, okay, peach bitters, amara on the Montenegro, and fresh lemon juice for breakfast. Um, so, uh, we're about to begin the Can I try? OK. Uh, of course. So we've got, uh, we've got five
0: more bartenders coming from all of the United States. We've got Greg Fleming from Chicago, William Rivas from, uh, from Miami, Rafael Jimenez Rivera from San Francisco, uh, William Perbellini from, uh, yeah. from Los Angeles, and DC Hoffman from Los Angeles.
3: Welcome to Northern, guys.
0: <laughs> so, a lot of times with these competitions, they'll invite the public in to uh, to come ex- be part of the the, the party and uh, see and see how be part of the experience. Uh, so, um, yeah, you can uh, if you're thinking about joining or entering competitions, maybe you want to go to one first as a as a spectator and uh, and see what it's like. Every, everyone's uh, a little different. There's di- different rules, different procedures for each one, but uh, it's always a good time, and uh, usually you get to taste some drinks. Where do you find out about them? Well a lot of times it's through the USBG, the United States Bartenders Guild, and uh, that's something you definitely uh, I can not recommend highly enough that you uh, join the USBG. There's so many opportunities and such cool people, and uh, you'll be impressed, believe me. And you don't necessarily have to be a bartender to join. Enthusiasts are more than welcome to join. They're encouraged to join. And barbacks are, of course, are more than welcome to join. So, uh, yeah, look into it. USBG.org. Find uh, what the nearest chapter is to you. And, um, yeah, If you have any more questions or want more encouragement, you, you can uh, get in touch with me. If you go to bartenderjourney.net, you can go to the contact page, and that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, while we're talking about this stuff, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Barkeep Tips. Instagram is bartenderjourney. And uh, the website I already said, right? Bartenderjourney.net. And, oh, Facebook. You can just uh, search Facebook for Bartender Journey and like that page, like it. Hey, next week on the show, we're going to talk to Isaac Grillo, and he owns a bar in Miami, and, along with his wife, and uh, he also works with Afrohead uh, Rum, so we're going talk to talk to him next week. So I hope you're subscribed. If, you're, uh, if you have any questions about how to do that, you can go to bartenderjourney.net slash subscribe, and there's lots of options for you there. Whether you're on iPhone or Android, uh, there's different ways to uh, subscribe there. You can also subscribe to our email list on that page as well. Hey, let's do a toast. Work like you don't need the money, love like you've never been hurt, dance like no one is watching, screw like it's being filmed, and drink like a true Irishman. Cheers, we'll see you next time on Bartender Journey. Whiskey.
1: perfect.